One does not enter into the River Jordan without kicking up lots of mud. Words of the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. Rowan Williams, in his excellent work, Baptism, Bible, Eucharist, and Prayer, begins by reflecting upon the meaning of baptism. The word baptisma, as he accurately points out, means to initially dip or, more properly, to immerse. And in the minds of many, particularly in Second Temple Judaism, water was associated with the new birth of the old world in Genesis chapter 1, where the spirit or wind of God, the Ruach, broods upon the face of the waters before God says, let there be light and there is light. Chaos and water are deeply associated. The Hebrews were not necessarily an ancient seafaring people at all, and there is a sense of mystery about the water. And yet there was also a positive idea behind it as well, of the bara, the new creation taking place. Rowan Williams accurately points out that in the baptismal accounts of the Synoptic Gospels, we have Jesus entering into the River Jordan and the voice of the Father being heard as the dove descends, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And as we are baptized, as Paul reminds us, as Rowan Williams himself reminds us in Romans 6, into the death of the Messiah, into the mystery of Good Friday, cleansed and washed in some sense, and in another sense, being plunged into our new ordination of prophet, priest, and king, it is as though the voice of the Father is saying to us, You are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. To entering into, as Rowan Williams excellently points out, not a new kind of status as though baptized people are more special than all the other people who God has made. In Rowan Williams' mind, certainly not. But instead, to realize that we have a new vocare, a new calling to be prophets, those who seek to call the people of God to return to their covenant. Priests, those who offer sacrifice to be bridge builders, to reach reconciliation, to be kings, to order a more just world, to order righteousness, even as the king commanded authority over the people. But of course, the office of prophet, priest, and king and the vocari of a baptized Christian is very different from the vocare of the way in which the world perceives these things. It means, as Rowan Williams pointedly explains, to be touched with the chaos of the rest of the world, to be a touch in solidarity with the suffering with the widow, with the orphan, with the marginalized, with the oppressed. It means at the same time, understanding that reconciliation comes by laying down one's life for one another. 
It comes, as Rowan Williams beautifully professes, by our universal call to holiness, which is not merely to be set apart, in a sense, but instead to be set apart to help others. Now, as Williams pointedly explains, if we were only meant to be prophets, we would be shrilly acting as naysayers, pointing out only that which was in need of mending. And if we were only priests, then we would rush ahead to reconciliation through sacrifice and forget all the gritty details in the middle. And if we were only called to be kings, we would be obsessed with control and with keeping balance. All three are a part of the office of a baptized person. And so, Rowan Williams raises an interesting pastoral question for me. He points out that you can see real baptism commitment in places like Zimbabwe, places like modern-day Israel, Palestine, areas where people are often persecuted for their faith. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have persecution here in the United States. We certainly do. But it is often mitigated by the routine of day-to-day life. And we are not necessarily put into a situation where we will be dragged off the street by um, a theocracy or another power that demands us to swear allegiance to them and to deny Christ, like in the old Roman Empire. So, how do we act as true prophets, priests, and kings? How is it relevant? Now, the kingly office, the call for justice, and the prophetic office to speak truth to power like Martin Luther King Jr., like Dorothy Day. These are elements which I believe should be self-evident to us, the necessity in our culture. There is racial injustice economic inequality, there is bigotry and there is violence. And it's not merely a conservative problem or a liberal problem. Rowan Williams excellently points out that we are to live in community among fellow Christians. And he says this is often very difficult. This is very clear. I mean, the ELCA leans more liberally. There are more conservative churches. We are fractured denominationally. Are we not one body in Christ? Are we not one body in Christ? We forget that we are members of one communion, one baptism, one faith. That every brother or sister that we meet is a brother or sister in Christ. And the other element, which is very deep in my heart and speaks quite fluidly to me in the Holy Spirit, is the inexorable truth that while we do not live in a society like our brothers and sisters in, for example, Jordan, where it's a largely Muslim population and to be a Christian you are heavily persecuted, etc., that we have a priestly vocation that is often forgotten. Now, the Protestant world, for good reason, has reacted against some of the excesses in the way priests were understood within the late medieval church, understandably. At the same time, what the Protestant world must 
recover now more than ever before is the reality of that doctrine, which is also enshrined, by the way, in the Catholic world and the Second Vatican Council, of the priesthood of all believers, in which all of us are called as a mediator in Christ the mediator, to offer our bodies, as Paul reminds us in the epistle to the Romans, as a living sacrifice. And that doesn't mean that if you are under the yoke of oppression, that you are to obey and serve. That doesn't mean that if you are being oppressed by systematic forms of evil, that you are to simply turn the other way. Do not misunderstand me. But what it does mean is that if we have a gift, if we have a talent, if we have an ardor for the Spirit, then we are not to reduce our Christianity to a churchianity behind four walls. Where we, it's something that we do on Sunday and then we come home and then it's just the same old routine. We should be touched by the Spirit of God and in baptism made a new creation so that we are sent out, apostolis, we are sent out into the world to be living offerings for righteousness, for justice, for equity, and also to teach and to learn from each other. And that can occur by simply going home and spending time with your children and loving them, entering into the workplace and being open to talk about your faith, not in an obnoxious way, not in a way that attracts uh, negativity for negativity's sake, but in a way that is honest and frank. To enter into our businesses and to try to run them in accordance with righteousness and justice, not to cheat one's neighbor. As John the Baptist reminded those who heard him, let he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. Whatever we have to give, if we have it in excess, let us offer it to our neighbor. And let us live lives worthy of the calling with which we have received. This is the takeaway I found from Ron Williams' article on baptism. I hope you found it helpful.